Welcome to the Fertility Podcast Bite Size, where the aim is to answer the questions that you want to know when Dr. Google just ain't cutting it. Maybe you've been in front of a consultant and have left and it's still keeping you awake at night. Or maybe you've been asking online and still aren't satisfied. So we've brought together the many experts that we've met, as well as asking brands who want to help you understand things better to share their wisdom in a bite-sized chunk. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you will know that on the Fertility Podcast, we have covered a lot of topics to help you learn more about your fertility. So if you've just found this podcast, do go and have a listen to our last couple of series as we've really mapped out what you need to be thinking about. What you're going to get here is a snippet of something useful, a bite-sized chunk of information on what can be an extremely overwhelming topic. In this episode of the Fertility Podcast Bite Size, we're working with the Centre for Reproductive and Genetic Health, or you may have heard of them as CRGH. Now, they've been helping people understand and preserve their fertility for more than 30 years and have helped create thousands of families in that time. They have a real focus on personalised care and have outstanding success rates. And CRGH have also helped pioneer new treatments and technology for those trying to conceive. Today we're going to be hearing from Xavier Brunetti, the Deputy Head of Embryology at CRGH, and he'll be talking about embryo grading, just explaining a bit more about it so you don't get lost down one of those Google rabbit holes. My name is Xavier, I'm one of the embryologists here at CRGH. I've been at CRGH for almost seven years. I moved to London 12 years ago from Barcelona where I train, and now it's London, London is home. So when we grade the embryos. Obviously, embryos are changing constantly. Um, They start with one cell, um, then they go into two cells, ideally, and then four cells, and they grow exponentially the number of cells. Um, On day three, we should have around eight cells. And then after that, they keep dividing. And around day four, we should have a morula, which I always tell patients is like a raspberry, lots of cells together, and we cannot really count the number of cells. And then at some point between day four, day five, and day six, they will form a cavity inside um, and that will form the blastocyst. And blastocyst is just the name embryologists give to embryos that reach the day five, day six stage. And that stage, um, all embryos that are going to be viable and are going to give us a pregnancy and a live birth need to go through that stage. When embryos get to the blastocyst stage, day five, day six, we cannot really count the number of cells. What we are looking is at two different cell lines that all blastocysts should have. First one is the inner cell mass, or we call it ICM sometimes, and they should be the cells that should form the, the fetus and the baby. And the other cell line is the trophectoderm cells, and they should form the placenta, the amniotic sac, and all the structures that support the pregnancy. And then when we grade embryos, um, when they are at the cleavage stage, so from two cells to eight cells, we look at the symmetry of the cells, we look at fragmentation, which fragmentation is just like when a cell divides, it's fragments of the cells that don't go to either of the um, daughter cells and they just stay hanging around, which lots of human embryos have. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's not good, but we always see it in some kind of degree. And then we also look at the symmetry of the cells if they are. Ideally, you would like the cells, the daughter cells are like the same size. Um, You also can look at if we can see the nuclei on the cell. We look at the, um, how synchronized the cell divisions are. Ideally, you would like that when, obviously, it goes from two to four and four to eight, all the cells are dividing at the same rate. These are the main characteristics that we use to grade embryos. 
Nowadays, we also have a, a fantastic tool, which is called Embryoscope, which is an incubator with a camera that allows us to track the embryo 24 hours a day. And it's really good to do an extra selection. We always almost say we use it as a deselection tool because it allows us to see abnormal patterns of divisions. It allows us to see things that we wouldn't see if we just look at the embryos once in the morning, because obviously you don't want to take them out of the incubator every five minutes because we don't want to disturb them too much. The grading we use at CRGH, I would say, is unique to our clinic. I think most clinics have their own system. It's not something you can Google. It's not going to really help. The way we grade embryos, we count the number of cells, and then we give a number that goes from one to three, being one top quality, three uh, the poorest quality. And it's based on the symmetry of the cells, the fragmentation. That's the main two characteristics based on the level of fragmentation and symmetry. Then we give one grade. When we get to blastocysts, as I said, we cannot count the number of cells. We look at the two cell lines that form the embryo. And based on the density of the cells, the fragmentation, we give a grading that goes from A top quality to D. It's like school grades, A, B plus, B minus, C and D. And then we give these two uh, letters to the inner cell mass and the trophectoderm. At the blastocyst stage, we also add a number that goes from one to six, which is the expansion, because blastocysts tend to grow and occupy all the space they have inside the zona that protects the embryo, um, being one, an early blastocyst, and five would be a fully hatched embryo that has gone outside the eggshell that protects the embryo. We also have a number six that in our case, in our clinic, means that we've done artificial assisted hatching. So we artificially hatch uh, the embryo. Just there are many reasons we can do that. It could be because we've done biopsy, because we think it may help the patient um, have a higher chance of, of success. But yeah, this is our grading system, which is adapted from grading system that may be uh, widely used in other labs. So when the patient comes into the lab, and obviously we are in contact with them because we like to keep them updated and they want to know most of the time, we usually keep contact on day one when we give the fertilization results. They know how many eggs have fertilized. Then we tell them again about the quality of the embryos on day three because day two, we may not get much information. So we wait until day three. And then we update them again on day five and day six when we know the number of blastocysts. Managing expectations is very important for patients because most of them, they don't know what to expect. So we try to be realistic. At least I think it's important to be realistic because there is no point telling them, yeah, we're going to get lots of blastocysts if you don't think it's going to be real. Just I think it's important that they know what's, what's happening, how are look, the embryos looking. And we give the statistics. At least in our case, we expect, uh, depending on the age of the patient, between 40 to 50% blastocyst formation rate. So that means that imagine if we get 10 eggs fertilized, four or five of them should get to blastocyst. But that's unique to its patient, its cycle, and, and its patient may, same patient, two different cycles may do slightly different. So we try to, to explain them how are the embryos doing in a kind of simple way so they understand. And always we are very happy to answer any questions they may have. Obviously, many patients get concerned that they may not have collected many eggs or they don't have many embryos. But at the end of the day, it's true that you just need the lucky one. And I've seen many, many cases where patients had poor fertilization for X reason and they only have one embryo. But the embryo gets to blastocyst, forms a lovely blastocyst. We transfer it and it has given us a, a live birth, a healthy live birth. So at the end of the day, yeah, we just need the lucky one. Obviously, it's fantastic if we can get some more embryos frozen as a backup or because the couple or the patients may want to come 
later on for a sibling. And obviously that's fantastic because it simplifies a lot more the treatment in the future. But I've seen cases with just one being absolutely fantastic, successful. I think clinics nowadays are moving towards blastocyst culture and, and transfer. At least it's, it's our policy here at CRGH. We grow all the embryos to blastocysts before transferring them because we know that if an embryo is going to give us a viable pregnancy, it needs to reach that stage. So we prefer to make sure that before performing the transfer, the embryo reaches the blastocyst stage. Um, just to avoid the situation of transferring an embryo that has a limited potential and then putting the patient through a, an emotional situation of having the transfer and waiting for those two weeks, we prefer to, to wait until blastocyst. Make sure you visit crgh.co.uk to learn more about the clinic. Plus, you can book a free mini consultation or attend an open evening. And of course, if you've enjoyed this bite-sized snippet from the Fertility Podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Acast, Google, Spotify. And if you've got the time to leave us a review and share what you've heard, that would be so helpful because we're all about trying to help you micro-learn with these snippets of useful information. 